We've seen that the brain grows by use, and the more that you use it, the better it will function. Glenn Doman, the creator of the Doman Method. And I'd like to add that the more we understand how our brain works, the more we'll actually use it. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace with tools, ideas, and strategies we can all use for immediate results. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, specifically on the topics of health, well-being, and productivity, and launch this podcast to share how important an understanding of our brain is for our everyday life and results, whether we're a teacher in the classroom, a student, or in the modern workplace. On today's episode number 238, we'll be speaking with Joshua Gillis, who's on a mission to spread his groundbreaking knowledge in neuroscience to as many people as possible and maybe even convince them to become a member of the small but growing now living community that he's built. Before we get into what exactly Joshua Gillis has discovered in this field, I've gotta say that something about his work stuck out to me when his team contacted me. While preparing for interviews, I wanna be sure the topic is in line with our season theme of brain health as it relates to learning. And Joshua's work goes deep into the brain and learning which I saw with some of his teachers and colleagues, who included Glenn Doman from the USA, Blythe and Goddard from the UK, and I hope I'm getting this one right as I'm not well-versed in Russian, Spletlens Maskutova from Russia. This is quite a powerful list, but the minute I saw Glenn Doman, my mind went back to 1999 when I was working in the seminar industry and the speaker I worked for opened the seminar with the work of Glenn Doman, helping children with special needs accomplish the impossible. And if you've ever heard my story, in those early days after I left the teaching field, I was still trying to figure out what I was meant to be doing. And I would write down anything important that caught my attention when it came to helping young people live up to the potential that we all know we have. When the speaker told us about Glenn Doman's work, where he took a young boy named Brendan, who was severely handicapped, and was told he would live his life like a vegetable. And with the method of using his brain and movement, they had this young boy up and running. And I forget the time frame, but that's not the important part. It was the fact that his life changed 180 degrees from what everyone expected of him. I thought this story was profound enough to write Glenn Doman's name and phone number on the front page of those seminar notes where we were supposed to be learning about how our mind is connected to our earning potential. That weekend, I couldn't stop wondering about what made such an impact for that young boy, and it wasn't difficult to find the notes that I jotted down from that seminar. I put an image of my first introduction to the work of Glenn Doman in 1999 in the show notes, that led me to purchase all of his books and raise my two children with the Doman Method. The problem with his number one best-selling parenting series was that there was a huge gap with understanding the brain 
or how it works to allow me to properly use these books. 23 years after hearing about the Doman Institute, I still have some of his books, but without any training, these theories remained unused over the years, which to me was a huge waste. And I wonder how many other people did the same as me. I wonder if Joshua Gillis's work could fill in the blanks of what I didn't understand so others listening to this podcast could use these concepts to their advantage and maybe multiply their baby's intelligence and join Joshua's mission to bridge the gap between theory and practice. Let's learn a bit more about Joshua Gillis. Now you have an idea of those innovators he's worked and learned with. What Joshua has found seems to be the basic coding to unlock our brain to its true and full capacity, like I heard about with that young boy, Brendan, all those years ago. His work is all based on the evolution of the nervous system and that our brain's first job is to move the body. The result is a training and therapy system which will offer physical therapy, behavior and learning for children, psychology, endocrinology, men and women's health, with a new, more effective way to resolve our problems, and so much more. Joshua has been working 36 years as a therapist, treating over 10,000 plus clients, including top athletes like former Swedish ice hockey player Peter Forsberg, who was known for his on-ice vision and physical play, who was considered one of the greatest players of all time as one of NHL's all-time stars and winner of two Stanley Cups with the Colorado Avalanche. Peter Forsberg worked with Joshua for rehabilitation and increase in performance, and after his treatments, he said, I couldn't even get my foot into the skates before getting the neuro treatments. After surgery and physio with the world's best, I'd given up hope of ever skating again. He said, thank God I gave it one last try. After only seven treatments, I was skating and two months later, back with the avalanche and a million dollar contract. This stuff is unbelievable, he said. I'll put a link to Joshua's top athletes in the show notes that include Marcus Larsson, a retired Swedish alpine skier who took part in the 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014 Winter Olympics, and he said, From the first treatment, I felt the difference. In a month after the treatments and neural training, my finishes improved by 10 places to the top 10. Then, after a day of training and treatments with Joshua, I pulled off the impossible, a fifth place in the Olympics at 35 years old. How this happens, I don't know, just as we still don't understand exactly why when we turn on a light switch, electricity lights up our room. But Joshua has discovered something that switches on something in our brain, helping us to overcome where there were once blocks. Let's meet Joshua Gillis and see what we can learn about our brain and body with an approach to learning the human condition that's so interesting that anyone listening will be moved and touched by his journey, where he went from a ski coach into pre-med and alternative medicine, scouring the planet for knowledge, living in Sweden, Italy, and France, along with his personal struggle to help his two sons, which is actually what led him to the creation of this work. 
I'm hoping we can unlock some of the mysteries of the brain so we can all take something back to improve our own health, well-being, and productivity. Let's meet Joshua Gillis. Welcome, Joshua Gillis. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Where have we actually reached you? Are you still in Maine? <laughs> Hi, Andrea. I can't even tell you how great it is to be here with you, really. Um, it's, I've been going through your podcasts, and, and uh, I can't even tell you um, like how much fun I think this is going to be um, to talk to somebody, a curious mind like yourself. And uh, maybe, maybe with this, these things, we can connect some dots that um, maybe have been more illusionary, elusive in, in the past and have been um, either put off into spiritual, uh, psycho-emotional or, um, you know, behavioral uh, categories. So it's kind of interesting. But uh, right now I'm actually uh, in California. Okay. Uh, traveling around the United States trying to meet people and uh, turn them on to neurotraining. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this is good. You, and you don't, you don't know what I've recorded um, in the backstory, but I was just no. so excited when I saw the email from your team um, yeah. when they reached out to me, because it actually took me back over 20 years ago before I was even thinking about the brain and learning and came across some of your colleagues in the past and, yep. um, and, and I put that all in the backstory. It was actually Glenn okay. Doman who I was referred to. And I raised my two girls on the Doman method with learning to swim. And we'll get into that in a little minute. But can you yep. go back to where you began your journey with the brain learning and movement? Where did this begin for you? Yeah. So um, I guess I, in a sense, I had kind of a unique uh, beginning in all of all of this kind of what you could maybe call alternative stuff is um, my parents um, knew Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know who that is. Yes. And she had a place called Shantanilaya in California back in the 70s and 80s. And they were working with all kinds of therapists from all over the world doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so already back when I was a little boy, I was, um, you know, I saw uh, one of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross partners giving a treatment to my father for his pancreas. So I've, I've had a very, from a very early age, I guess I was like 12 years old or something like that when I first, you know, so it has been a big part of my life for a long time. And uh, so then I got into skiing, became a ski coach. Um, when I realized I wasn't going to be, you know, the next uh, Bodie Miller or something. So <laughs> so um, decided to be a coach and learn from the mistakes that I thought all of my coaches had made. <laughs> and so, and so uh, in, in two years, my uh, six kids got up on the national podium uh, nine times. Wow. So I uh, had really understood that the way to uh, an athlete was through, um, because uh, through behavior modification in a sense, and especially internal communication. And I did that through uh, simply um, making them listen to each other and insisting that they would listen uh, uh, and they would also say what their truth was. 
So to listen to other the other kid's truth, which was simply, where do you want to go skiing this run? Okay, <laughs> it became a huge issue sometimes, <laughs> most of the time, because this one wanted to go there. And if you're a good athlete, you're going to have a big ego, right? So I want there. So they were arguing. And, this. and so um, I got them to realize that, that, um, that uh, being able to listen and being able to tell your truth was a huge win-win uh, for everybody that they were not losing anything by following somebody else's true desires in that moment. And they could maybe even learn something. And so I, what I believe happened is that they started to take away judgment over themselves and that the a true athlete isn't the one who had the best performance, but the one who corrected their errors the best, because if you talk to any athlete, they're going to make a list of errors during their performance that's infinite. But you don't get hang up on, hung up on it. And so learning that, that sort of acceptance of mistake and then just immediately moving into the recovery. And so then it becomes almost, because almost a seamless movement of in and out, in and out, in and out. And so I, that's, that's what, but I wanted to give these kids something more. So I just wanted to give them some therapies. And you know, I'd seen all this crazy stuff these people were doing. So um, I started to study pre-med and uh, moved into, was going to become a chiropractor. Um, in my third year, I had an unfortunate death in our family. And uh, so decided to take a year off and uh, ended up skiing in Chamonix and climbing and discovering sort of the adventure side of skiing rather than the competitive side. And when I got back, I decided I wanted to do something more than just simply go back to school and study books. And so I took a few massage courses, different kinds of therapy, and uh, decided that was probably way more applicable in what I was doing than what chiropractic medicine could ever do. Though so I was glad for all those years of studying physics and chemistry and biology and all that stuff, uh, it came into, you know, definitely... Um, gave me a, a big advantage over a lot of other people that were, were not, that hadn't taken that time to, you know, have that opportunity to study that level of, of biochemistry or, or physics and, and, you know, but so it was, it was definitely a big event. So um, then I went to the New Mexico school of natural therapeutics and uh, learned a whole bunch of different from deep tissue to prenatal to postnatal to all kinds of, you know, craniosacral, but uh, Andrea, my big problem was nobody really knew more than about 70% of what was going on. They could get the 70%, which is really good. I mean, that's like, that's really good. But there was that 30% that was just driving me crazy because I really did not like to say, Oh, you have a block that you have to work that you're not letting go. There's all kinds of excuses out there to get the therapist off the hook. And, and I didn't accept that. I, I said, like, they're coming to me because they have a problem. I'm the one that needs to tell them what's, what's not, you know, what's blocking them from getting through, um, uh, you know, and letting go of whatever was, was blocking them. And so I actually left it. I left because I was so frustrated and it was really creating like a lot of inner problems. So I got into climbing, opened up uh, Scandinavia's first climbing gym in Stockholm oh. and uh, Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, 
um, was doing treatments, but that was, I was enjoying, you know, the movement. I got into anthroposophy, uh, because they have a huge, um, um, hospital there and, uh, and cultural center and education just outside of Stockholm and was learning a lot from them. And, um, and then I had children and, um, moved to Italy, got back and opened up my little therapy center. But, um, one Christmas, uh, the, the teacher of, in, in daycare for my second son suggested that I do some, some math homework, some, you know, practice some, he was five years old, do some math with Benjamin this weekend and see if you can't, if you can, it was like, I was like, do math, this guy, he's counting all the time. He's a, he's a smart little kid. It's like, he's got problems with math. She's like, yeah. I'm like, in what way? She's like, well, he can't add two plus two. He can't do addition. I was like, what? He can't do addition. So like, for me, it was just like impossible to even fathom that. And so um, got him in the car, you know, it was Christmas. It was cold and they got their little their car seats and bouncing around in the back. And so I asked his older brother, can you give me seven plus eight? And he told me what it was. And then I asked him to do two plus two and he put two up on it and he was completely lost. He had no idea what to do with that. And I knew for sure that he'd seen the other kids using their noses or their chins or whatever to count up. So when we got home and it was extremely evident that he, there was something in his brain that was, there was a switch that would just wasn't turning on to help him resolve the problem, right? He's got a problem. He's got two on this hand. How do I combine them? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll use my chin and I'll count, right? That's basically what math at all levels is <laughs> right <laughs> is, is is math subtraction and multiplication is advanced addition right <laughs> so so it's resolving the problem and so i was having a big problem with um accepting that my son was going to have to go through school um with you know learning difficulties mm-hmm. and uh, refused to accept it i absolutely refused to accept that he, that was Started scouring the world, found Brain Gym with uh, Denison. And um, actually, it was funny because um, we had him do the, the figure of eight, the lazy eight in, in the cross. Here, and he could not cross the center line coming back up. Even with my hand on his hand, he wouldn't go up through the cross. If the listeners don't understand, it's very interesting. And there's a lot that can be weaned out of that simple um, uh, that simple uh, exercise of creating a cross and then creating a doing the, the lazy eight or the sign of infinity through it. And um, so uh, it was more proof that there really was something going on there, like on a neurological level, because, you know, even when he was following the line or with my hand, he could not get through that. I mean, it was just amazing to see that it was, and, and it gave me a humble, like a really humble understanding of what learning um behave learning and and be and um even even behavioral difficulties actually can be like for the person suffering it because it's beyond their conscious control mm-hmm. it's truly beyond their conscious control and so i understood that i needed to find something that was going to help him unlock some secret little thing inside his brain but then i ended up find, calling back up to sweden to my old friends and found um the Mazgutova method and uh, started doing that. They had one week each month, the three months after I had found that out, 
So by June, I gave him five treatments and he started counting. But I got a bonus too, because I did the hand and mouth reflex integration for my older son who was grinding his teeth. And after one treatment, he stopped grinding his teeth. So it was, it was, it blew my mind. And I just, you know, completely dedicated my, my life to working a lot with kids in the area and the schools and everything like that. And, and uh, then we got into athletes, world class, you know, world champions resolving their, their injuries that nobody else in the world could do. And we were just blown away by what these neurosensory motor programming or the childhood reflexes were doing to the brain and to healing. And yeah. So that's my long story. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, so this is good because I knew you were involved with athletes, but I didn't know it was at the level of skiing. And I knew you're a ski instructor, but I didn't know where, where it all came in. And so just fast forward back tw- over 20 years ago, I had just quit my teaching job. I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. You know, yeah. never have imagined that I'd be doing a podcast connecting the brain to learning all these years later. But the speaker I worked for started talking uh-huh. about Glenn Doman and yep. stuff that he was doing. And he talked about this kid, Brendan, who was told he would be a vegetable for his life. And I actually wrote down Glenn Doman's name on the front page of the seminar sheet. And I was supposed to be learning about the brain as it relates to uh, earning money. But okay. I was like fascinated with what's this Glenn Doman doing with the brain and learning? Because I definitely didn't have a handle of my students in the classroom. And, and he's getting this kid who was told he would be a vegetable to run. And yeah. I was just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then, so I, I just wondered, where did you meet Glenn Doman and what influence did he have on your work? So um, I, I never met Glenn Doman. I met um, a few, met, met a few of his students. Um, unfortunately he's passed away now. Um, but, um, um, I did meet Dennis and was able to talk to him about, uh, Dolman and because they actually, both of them, the brain gym, he developed his brain gym as kind of, uh, Glenn was developing his, um, IHP, what's it, what's uh, they called the, the human, um, project, human advancement project, whatever he's calling it. Yeah. So the Dolman method, but told me that he created Brain Gym as a watered down version of what Glenn Doman was doing. Because he found, he he understood, or he saw in a a sense, the fanaticism that was growing around getting these children to crawl and to be these, you know, super crawlers. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) like if I could have built a track, I would have built a track for my kids after reading. Right. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So he was like, this was back. So, you know, in the seventies, so he was seeing it live as it was developing. And and so he wanted to create kind of like a, a less kind of, I guess, um, uh, performance-based, um, you know, uh, hallelujah kind of um, uh, thing where, where um, it was just way more simple, you know, the, the, the cross crossing and, and all of that. And, and actually um, um, he, he was in, in, in Italy. I met him in Italy at a conference and we got to talk for a little while and, and um, um I've developed a whole new system for athletes or for that's way more fun than what 
what the brain gym is doing. The brain gym is kind of, and also a lot of these other, you know, the Mazgatova or the, the Goddard Blythe method, methods in, in England. Those are the three big schools, Domen, Mazgatova and Goddard Blythe with this, this childhood reflex integration. And it's kind of, it's kind of a little too cutesy. It's kind of a little too, you know, 55, 60 year old women that want to be nice and, and help these little kids. And it's nothing about nothing wrong with that at all. But we got to we got to get after, you know, some some, you know, it's another generation now. I mean, these these kids need to have something that's more go, go, go. I need something, you know, and, and not sit there clapping their knees like they're three year olds, you know. So. Um, I think it does have a place. And I think, you know, what they've done is amazing uh, to be able to, because obviously they're the true shoulders with, which with, I, I think the, the neurofunctional that I'm doing, this neurofunk uh, and my gimper system are based on that, you know, it's thanks to everything that they've done in the past. So without them, we wouldn't be anywhere close to where we are today. Um, but basically um, I took it and, and threw it up in the air and took the main parts of it out and then started torturing my clients. <laughs> so, so it's ba the basic understanding of all sensory input, motor output. The main reason for our brains is to move our bodies. Okay. So what do you think we should all know about the origin of our brain and our central nervous system? I was speaking to a third year bio neuroscience student in university. And I said, well, do you know what the origin of the nervous system even is? And she's like, no. It's like, well, do you know where the first neuron was ever found? She's like, no. So was it a worm? Was it, was it the discovery of the worm from? So the single neuron was first discovered in the jellyfish and then you know this is the thing that's incredible because that's what i did is i was like wait a second because i had a, I had a child who had cerebral palsy and i wasn't getting very very good results i wasn't happy with it it takes too long so that's the one of the main reasons why we were looking for world champions who were injured and had tried everything and were desperate to try something they'd never tried before so because Otherwise, if nobody's going to want to try any of this stuff, they're like, well, what evidence is there? Well, we don't have any evidence yet, <laughs> except that we've done it and it's happened. And we, you know, we think we can make a big difference in your life. And uh, so only these desperate people will try these things. So um, we work on, on world class athletes because they're going to give us the quick results to test our stuff. In minutes, we get the results back. So we don't have to be patient with um, neurologically damaged children. So I had this child who um after 10 treatments basically didn't get any results started working on my theory that the gut and not just the gut inside but the actual muscle was what was causing most of the, this this tension so after one treatment he was the child was basically lying completely extended arms on the table one treatment tried to talk to the people that were giving you know his main therapists they didn't want to have anything to do with it they're like you know, they didn't want to learn. It's like, so it's very frustrating um, how people don't understand and don't even really want to learn new things. 
especially, you know, they want to have peer reviewed articles and all of this stuff. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. But in any case, the, the amazing thing was, is, um, um, uh, the, the neuron in the, in the, in the, in the uh, jellyfish morphed into what I believe is multiple jellyfish on top of each other, forming the worm. Uh-huh. Right. So then we have a, the first neural network. So the first brain is actually in the worm where it's a network of one neuron to the next neuron to, so it's like a train station, right? One, one. So that's the, also, if we look at it today, our gastroenteric nervous system is, that's the way it's built. So the worm never disappeared. The worm never disappeared. From its stomach, it created a nerve that went up, divided into two and created two light sensors. After another 20 million years, created a heart on that nerve. The vagus nerve was that's where the worm finished its evolution because the that that brain that and gastroenteric nervous system couldn't develop any it needed a matrix so on that nerve it created another so it could create an exoskeleton around itself and then we get the eels we get the fish and then we get into evolution so the worm never disappeared Interesting. it created an exoskeleton and the reason that it needed this brain, this matrix, was to have a higher performing neural center to deal with the sensory input and the motor output. So when I was first learning about all this stuff with, you know, let's just say some of the books that we pick up and it's complex and I don't even think I used it properly. What do we need to know about the brain? Like I heard you say before that uh, that our first brain is our gut and you explained it just evolutionary how you did. What should we all know about our brain and the evolution and make it simple so we don't have these big charts with, you know, neocortex and limbic area that we get lost in, right? Yep, yep. So again, um, I was shocked as well because I was trying to figure out what I was trying, what I was perceiving from my clients. And um, so I do not like theory before observation, okay? You need to have an observation and then you need to figure it out because otherwise, what are you testing with your theory? If you don't have an observation with which you can test theories against, then I can convince myself that seven plus eight is actually 29. You know, I can do that. I can create theoretical models of everything, you know, but if we don't have a base observation to work off of, then we can't work theories and test theories against something. You have to have that sounding board of something real that you know is real. If you don't have something real observed, phenomena what are you doing so i felt that there was a little bit too much theory a little bit too much disconnectedness mm-hmm. method in the blythe goddard method. why because they were going off of scientific psychological observations of of the individual reflexes after birth mm-hmm. somehow in some met way they were interacting with each other it was very it's very difficult to understand 
I mean, you really almost have to just study because there's, there's no real clear connection between the childhood reflexes. What happens is, is that when I was able to just like get so frustrated, I was like, wait a second, okay, where does it come from? Where does it come from? The nervous system. Okay, the first one is in the neuron, is in the, in the jellyfish. Then the jellyfish somehow morphed into the worm. The worm ev evolved into two eyes, heart. Then created, well, then it stops. And then it, all of a sudden we have fish. There's no real, there's no, like, there's no explanation of how that happened. She's like, all of a sudden now, it's like, we have fit, like, from nothing. Actually created a second brain on that same nerve that it was developing for the eyes, for the heart, which makes sense, right? The nerve, optic nerve, is the only nerve that doesn't leave the brain. So we have all the evidence that we need that actually, in evolution, the gastroenteric nervous system, or what we call the stomach intestines, is the first evolutionary brain. Stop. Wow. And what's interesting is that when we look at serotonin and melatonin, there it's it's actually produced to 90, 85, 90% in our intestines. So we have a mechanism of taking this serotonin and melatonin up into our brains it transferring into the, the cerebral spinal fluid, basically, and relaxing the brain. So in reality, what is that? It's a biofeedback method of the stomach telling the brain that it's doing a good job on, on a primitive level, right? Today, we've become so distanced from our primitive past that we think that we are what we think. I think, therefore, I am. That is full. That's uh, so wrong. Like, it couldn't be more wrong. I understand, therefore, I become. That is very different. And so, and so we think that our brains, because that's our biggest gift, in a sense, in evolution, is what we're all about. Second brain. It was developed for taking input through the senses, elaborating the neural programming, which is really important to understand because nobody, nobody looks at that. The programs that analyze that sensory input, okay, to be able to create what we would call a coherent motor output, okay? That can be anything from screaming because you're scared to running because you want to be the fastest in the heat to giving a hug or giving a punch, right? It's kind of two different things there. So it should be coherent to what our, what's, what's actually happening around us. So, so, um, so basically like the, the, the primitive part of our brain is only based on getting food, protecting, ourselves and procreating and to do that you have to move your body if you're not moving you're not getting where you need to get to get the food to get the safety to get you know more kids whatever to procreate so um so what's behind the levels then that you've used in your neurofunk app 
that you've used to improve sports performance, cognitive abilities, and behavioral intelligence? As it evolves, we get the fish, then we get the reptiles. So now we've got some new body parts. Okay. So now there's new neural programming. But at each phase, we also have behavioral problems, behavioral um, aspects. So the fish behave in a very specific way. They're curious, they're anxious, they're nervous. Um, then we have the reptiles. Now we have the, the, the chest come out, right? Okay, I'm going to protect my area. And uh, so now we have um, that, as that behavioral aspect coming out, okay? Um, body part, and it's all connected to that evolutionary phase. So then we have the rep, the mammals come out. They're all of a sudden wanting to take care of each other. It's a, it's an adapted behavior for survival. It's just, you know, who knows how that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. But through the freak of nature, through genetic modifications, there are interesting periods during evolution where there are these huge periods of evolving species. Right. So it could be, um, the, um, the cosmic rays that come in and create genetic modifications. Some survive, some don't, who knows? It's pretty complicated stuff, but it's by survival of the fittest in the sense or survival of the, the best. And so, so then at the mammal level, the, the mammal level, we have more of a, a software update because now we don't have really new body parts, but now we have new movements. We have new, new, um, and better ways of moving they still have the the fish movement but now with arms right <laughs> they still got this lateral thing going but now they got their arms in so but they're clumpy at it then the mammals come in now we have head riding we have landau reflex so the dolphins that swim different than the sharks do right the dolphins swimming dorsally rather than laterally like the sharks so that's the landau reflex joy happiness right a new reflex connected to all of the behavioral aspects that are so movement is fundamental to access those aspects of that phase of evolution. And so the big question in a sense also is what about humanity? Are we just 2.0 mammals? Are we? We seem to have a lot of spirituality. Mm -hmm. So what's maybe we haven't really evolved to the true point of what humanity really is because we're still struggling with all of this animalness. Mm -hmm. So we haven't been able to truly release ourselves from um, our past which is part of our i mean you can see the development of the embryo it, it goes from literally from a little fishy to reptilians to mammal it becomes a little human so um and and what's interesting also is that there's all kinds of research about the the very first weeks of the um, development of the embryo and the amount that it's moving if that little guy is twitching a lot they're going to be calmer when they're born. If it's not very active, then they're going to be more agitated. Mm -hmm. 
And so we see that there is a complete connection from the very few first days of inception. And what, what ended up happening to me was through, develop, through torturing my clients, I saw how they were jumping around on my table. So I developed these, these basic movements, which you can find in the app. Um, it's basic, the big movements, the big important movements are level one and level two that are unique to what kind of what I've added to make all of this um, childhood reflex or neurosensory motor integration work to make it momentarily the difference where you can have 90 children in the classroom, in the, in the auditorium, when they get belly down and they start doing their toe movements, there is a silence that falls over that room that is unbelievable. These children, hyperactive children will go back just be at peace and um it's like literally minutes of training so what exactly will people be doing at each level in the app to improve their performance so so basically the 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 it seems as though what we're talking about is that our brain's basic backbone, the structure, the neural, basic neural architecture of the brain is based on sensory input, motor output. And there are very specific movements that are what I call the hierarchical movements to each evolutionary phase. There are the basic hierarchical movements because obviously, you know, you can get into a, you know, you can get into the most fine differences between one crocodile and and one lizard the way they move obviously we can talk about that <laughs> okay but the basic movement pattern is that okay so let's look from you know 20,000 kilometers not you know a couple of microns and so when we look at these hierarchical movements those are the brain keys those are the keys that will the movements that will unlock the true potential and the true harmony of the brain. So it's like a, it's like a, a symphony where each movement is, like, is an instrument. And so we need to tune it or master. So it's like mastering our instincts, right? Yeah. So we dominate, dominate. We need to master that fish within us. We need to master <laughs> that reptile within us. We need to master that mammal, that lion within us. And what happens, and Andrea, this is the most beautiful thing, is that that's when you start to see what the true human is. When you clear that neurological water, where that, I believe we have souls, where the soul doesn't have confusion that it has to work through to get out into the world. And it doesn't have confusion when it's perceiving it. We work, we, we align all of these things up so it's a clean line going into the brain so the soul can express itself and it can perceive. And then all of a sudden, these higher aspects of what a human could be start to really shine through. Can you put this into a practical example? So you've got your kids who are skiers, you know, and you, you were a ski coach. Would you, and I've looked at your app so I can, I can, guess that some of the things you did were movement, 
related? Was it all movement related? They go through the app and they work through exercises that they're doing that's unlocking their potential, getting rid of that, those things that you said were the blocks that you couldn't solve when you worked with all your other patients. Is this what your program does? It, it unlocks these blocks through movement? Is that what we're doing? Exactly. And, and uh, so there's, there's two parts, right? There's sensory input and there's motor output. So when we do the movements, we're lacking a little bit that sensory input, that precise sensory input that you can get during a treatment. Okay. So um, um, in one sense, a treatment is um, more effective in getting quicker results. But at the same time, um, if you're not doing the training and creating an autonomy, then it doesn't work either. Then you don't really get the good results. Can I go to something you said, because I think it's really important. And, sure. and it was something that you sure. said that you have to feel it to experience it. Yeah. You know, you, you, what do you mean by that? When you're lying okay. on the ground and you're doing the exercise, with your feet, <laughs> what, what happens? Besides feeling like a real idiot at the moment, <laughs> it's like, what am I doing this for? Am I, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> so they, they look ridiculous. It looks, it looks absolute, absolutely silly. But um, so I was just, um, I don't know if you know anything about um, uh, jujitsu, um, but uh, I, 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 I really love combat sports and I've worked a lot with um, um, the uh, boxers, Muay Thai, MMA. I've worked a lot with these people. And I was just at, at something called a place called Daisy Fresh uh, or Pe Pedigo uh, Submission uh, Club in Illinois. And one of them, was uh, this, this guy, Wes, 37 years old. He'd given up his job. He wanted to dedicate, he was only a blue belt, uh, but wanted to dedicate, dedicate himself to uh, jujitsu and to really go full in. And so I said, well, so you're, you're in the key moments. And I was like, well, look it, let's do a few treatments and see what we can unlock some of those old injuries and everything. And we'll see what happens. Cause he wasn't, it wasn't really going so well for him. And we found out he had bruxism. And he, was, he had a lot of neck tension and a lot of neck pain. So I did, I did um, you know, full body, but then we also concentrated. We did about four treatments uh, on the bruxism, and, um, which was like my, I'm the, like this system that I have is the only one in the world for releasing people from bruxism. You know, in a couple months of training, they can, you know, and it's, it's in the app, it's one of the apps and they can find it in, in there. But um, um he asked me the same question. He's like, Josh, what am I going to feel when, when, when like, I was like, it's just going to be easy. It's just going to be easy. It's just going to be easy. All of a sudden, what you think is going to happen. Now this gets into a lot of new agey stuff as well, but manifestation and everything like that. And I can only suggest to humble yourselves or humble ourselves to accepting what comes to us also in life, that we're not learning if we're not meeting resistance. Mm -hmm. And this whole comes the whole part of this that I discovered through this work, through working through the neurological aspect, the neuro, these, all these motor programs that we have to, that, that we use for our behavior, right? 
we have to be able to use our body. We're a robot, basically, that's programmed. And if some of my, my programming is out, I have to compensate and use others more than others. And so once I get that one that's supposed to be working online, all of a sudden, everything relaxes. And um, so um, the true attraction between human beings is completely subconscious and telepathic that we are not mammals in the way we are attracted to our partners okay we might like the container but that's not the attraction because there's a lot of really nice containers out there there's a lot of maybe less attractive containers but guess what i am going to fall in love with that one container and i can't help myself i can't help myself it's just going to be all biochem and be like, oh, my God, head over heels crazy in love with probably the last person I ever thought I was going to fall in love with, in a sense, especially once you get to know them. Because now all of a sudden, all of what we have is blocks inside of us start to become visible after time. And what I found is, is that in the true human evolutionary stage that we're at, we're looking to improve our psycho-emotional aspects more than our physical aspects. And so the true attraction is in finding somebody that will teach me what I am not able or, or even denying myself the possibility to, to behave like or to act like or to be. To be. And so what I'm going to do, and you can ask all your friends, you're going to find the one that's going to be your button pusher. <laughs> and, and, what's, what, and, 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 and I love it because that, this is one of my biggest things that I want to teach people is that, is that humanity is looking for emotional pushback. Because that's what we need to learn. Whatever we don't like, it's that famous, you know, it's all these stupid esoterical quotes, right? A negatives attract, their opposites attract, and blah, blah, blah. But what the hell does that actually mean to me? Doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. In reality, you tell me opposite, okay, and then? <laughs> like what? <laughs> How do I deal with the situation that I'm in? <laughs> all right? And, and what the beauty is, is that behave like that person. Learn to behave like them. Because that is what you need to learn. Take it on. And when we take it on, that other person's going to be like, hmm, well, that was interesting. And then they're going to start taking on some of your stuff. And what happens is we balance. And... It doesn't stop there because obviously we have children. Children, if anybody's ever had them, are our best mirrors that you could ever, ever imagine. And not for the good stuff. Some of the good stuff, okay. But, we you know, it's a lot of the difficult stuff. And the more that we don't like to see that behavior, the more they're going to do it. And the deeper it's going to get sort of physically embodied into our children. I believe they're manifesting what we're denying in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. 
as a way of understanding how to behave in life. Okay. Neuro, you know, the mirror neurons and all this stuff, you know, if you don't, so, so we are telepathic beings. We have neuro, mirror, mirror, um, mirror neurons throughout our body and we can literally feel what other people are feeling. Okay. So we need to turn that on. We need to really, and, and I, I have found that through doing these sort of primitive movements based on our evolutionary path, um, cleans out these sort of antique systems that we need in order to make our bodies and to interact with the world, but maybe aren't really online as they could be. And so by refining these systems, we get our nervous system to be really firing on all cylinders and to have a high performing, you know, Formula One car so that our soul can drive it the way it knows it can drive it. And uh, our children are the most beautiful mirrors for our, you know, as, as a species, you know, as, as for the human evolution, because they're going to give us the feedback of where we're at in our psycho-emotional evolution. And so by laughing a little bit at it, okay, and accepting accepting that's what we're denying people don't understand that always that it's actually probably a block within us where that where that pushback comes from right where that dislike for a certain behavior comes from we don't really understand where that pushback and those are all just just stupid mechanisms from you know to, to protect us and so and so what happens is when we when we do the movements we we soften those those uh, communication channels to those areas so we open up the basic channels to those areas which are the the sensory motor channels and then the psycho-emotional actually quite easy to work through once you have those behavioral connections worked out the the psycho-emotional ones are actually like they like it's literally like the fog in 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 the morning sun it just dissipates And so the really the most important part, and this is like, Andrea, I can't even tell you how much fun I'm having talking to you (laughs) because I can see it's somehow making sense to you and, and, uh, and uh, filling in it because I've been looking at all of your other podcasts and it's a lot about positive thinking and it's a lot about, you know, behavior modification, but from a psychological, from an intellectual point of view. And a lot of times what this will do is it'll create a second bias that you have to work through. And so, and so I, though I think it is important because sometimes after like the third or fourth treatment, if I see a person isn't working through, so they keep coming back with the same, um, we're not really getting rid of the block, the physical pain they're experiencing. Um, then we'll start talking about, you know, depending on what organ it is or, or what muscle group Then I know is involved. And so we can say, well, what has happened to you about anger? What, what has made you really sad or, um, you know, what's going on over here with self-doubt, you know? And so, so then that'll open something up and literally it'll just like collapse right there in front of, in front of our eyes. And they don't even notice. Yep. It just is easy. All of a sudden life is easy. Just like Wes said, you know, I asked me, it's it just, be, and he, by the way, he won two weeks later, he won the, the Pan Am blue belts. <laughs> so, and it was a shock for everybody. <laughs> so so, um, yeah, that's what it feels like. It just becomes easy. Got it. So I'm going to put all the links to everything in the show notes so people can access your app 
Um, to bring this into a close, what do you think we've missed? What, what do you want people to take away from this? If they're going to go look at what your, your app and, and the exercises to kind of release these blocks to take us to new levels of productivity, especially with athletes, what, what do you think people should do? I, I look at it like this. Um, you don't need to be um, physicist to use electricity. Um, you don't need to, you know, be any kind of, you know, mechanical engineer to drive your car. Um, but you know how to drive it. You learned how to drive it. You learned the basic understandings of it. You know, you learned how to flip a switch. You learned how to change the breaker switch. Okay. So you maybe don't need to totally understand all of the depth of this stuff. Just do the exercises. There's a neuro warmer that you can do like, you know, like you would do any yoga like you would do any other, you know, Tai Chi or Qigong or whatever. Um, it's actually more effective. And it only takes about seven to 10 minutes once you learn it. And you will be doing so many good things for yourself. And you'll feel it. It's nothing you need to know exactly all the details about how it works. Though I would be very happy to go deeper into this with, you know, people who actually enjoy studying it. But, um, you have to do it in order to, to understand what I'm talking about. And, you know, like Wes, who won the Pan Ams as a blue belt, that shocked everybody as a, for a 37 year old, right? That's just, when you're 37 year olds and only a blue belt, that's, you're, you're on the back end of the curve there. But he did it. And, um, you know, um, uh, that's the kind of success I really want for everybody whether it's in the family, whether it's at work. You know, we always see people who are dedicate themselves to the stuff at work, getting promotions that are completely unexpected um, because they just have a way with people. They just have, you know, the soul, their soul has to really come out and you feel it. And it's like, this is just a good person. They're gonna do a good job. They're conscientious, they're hardworking and you're gonna get the phone. So we see it everywhere, sports, in a sense, is um, secondary to life, you know, relationships and and stuff like that. But it is it's um, you know obviously incredibly interesting if you can get great results if you're biking, bikers, you know, for their necks and their lower backs, get more power into their legs, do the Perez reflex. So there's a whole bunch. Just do it. Just do it. And then if you want to know more, then we can get together. We'll talk about it and keep going deeper and deeper, you know, into all this stuff. But um, yeah, just thank you so much, Andrea. You know, um, really, <laughs> um, I haven't let you talk so much. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Joshua, and sharing this fascinating journey that began all those years ago. And, you know, I just made so many connections as you were talking because a lot of this stuff we don't understand what to do. And so we don't do anything. Right. So yeah, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for people to look at your app and just try go through some of there's a lot of the free exercises or you could pay to unlock everything. But yeah. so I'll put all the links in there. And I just want to thank you so much for, you know, showing us that we can reach higher levels in a different way, doing things that we might not have thought of in the past. Absolutely. And uh, 
I want to extend also um, a special discount for your subscribers. So as they're going through the process of checking out, just put in uh, in the promo code uh, Andrea and, uh, and we'll get you guys 20% discount as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, really, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, to close this out, what are some final thoughts? Actually, I would, I would really um, like to hear your final thoughts. I think I've been talking way too much here. <laughs> Do well, you have a, like a question, like the last questions or how it made you think differently? Any connections you made? It did. It did. And it came along the way in the very beginning when you were talking about the athletes with skiing and, you know, just connecting the fact that when you started this work, there was a black box with the brain that, you know, we didn't even know before the fMRI scans what was going on in the brain. And you were trying to search for ways. And, you know, when I looked at your app, I thought, well, this is interesting, just connecting the activity or the exercise you're lying there doing on the ground with your feet moving. And I was thinking of as, as a swimming instructor, how I used to teach the kids to swim with their feet going, make sure you point your toes. And we never really think about how movement impacts the brain, but I think yeah. you've, you've really come up with something here with your, with the app and the fact that it unblocks something that I don't know because I haven't gone through it myself yet but I think <laughs> that's that's the key is that you've taken some exercises that we have done through the evolution of coming to where we are and it for some reason unlocks something Is that right yeah it, it seems to be that that there is a um there's like uh the basic blueprint of humanity of, of what a human should move like and and blueprint to what it's actually perceiving. And in that gap, depending upon how much it is, creates stress. And that is where I think our baseline stress is coming from. And so when we fill that gap and are able to actually satisfy the protocols, the basic protocols of the neurosensory motor system, there's a piece that comes over the nervous system. So now we have actual harmony and then all of the different harmonics start to kick in and then something really starts to happen. So it's like I said, it's the seems to be the basic um, understand the basic architecture of the neurological pathways of the brain. And it seems way too simple. Everybody wants to complicate other things. But again, we're creating models on models. We're not going after reality. We don't have real, observable. And so, so what I think is that neuroscience is way, like they're complicating things. They're missing the elephant on the table. Every spiritual or, or uh, philosophical um, Asian um, uh, movement has always Tai Chi, uh, Qigong, it always has <laughs> the martial arts <clears throat> movement is their basic structure upon which they put all of their, their, their understandings, their intellectual, psychological, emotional beings. But, if you do the, but everything starts with the movement. And so it doesn't matter where you go. That's your, so this guy is kind of like a mixture of Eastern and Western. 
where I got this neurological information from over here in the West, but this real understanding of simply following the body, trusting in our natural ability um, to, um, yeah, just our natural ability to be, right? Um, and that, 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 that there's nothing wrong with us <laughs> as, 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 as wrong as we are, as fail, you know, fallible as we are, we're beautiful things. And so trusting that inner instinct and that inner, that inner voice, if you want to call it that, and we're, you can't do anything without moving. Mm-hmm. You can't express a thought, you can't express an emotion, you can't express a feeling. You can't express anything unless you're moving your body. Now, how do we move the body? Okay, I can see when you're sad. I can see when you're happy in your body, in your body language. So it's not just an aspect. It is the central core of everything that we are. If we can't express through that, then we're having to make compensations in order to get our message out. And that's when the frustration of children comes out. That's when a lot of our first frustrations comes out is our inability to express ourselves through our bodies. Um, And uh, so we need that, you know, to show our joy, to show our happiness, to show our ability to make two plus two at a certain point. And so this is all based on our ability, apparently, you know, because I mean, I can I can't tell you how exactly it's working. I can only tell you, you give me a kid's got problem with math. I'll get them counting and it's not going to take long. You give me a kid who's a bully. That kid's going to be the sweetest thing in the world after two weeks because he's going to learn boundaries. See, bullies don't understand boundaries. They're stuck in that amphibian, that fish level. Fish don't have boundaries, those personal boundaries. So they're stuck there. That something didn't happen there when they were developing in the embryo. So we show them, we develop those movements. And all of a sudden, they break through that and they go up into the higher ones. And in only weeks, all of a sudden, this understanding of boundaries is totally natural for them. They won't just go up naturally into the face, just say stupid things and do some. It's not only learned from their parents. It's not a cognitive thing that they know what they're doing. They don't understand boundaries. How this seems to be the fundamental architecture of the brain. And if, if, if any of these neuroscientists would just take time to try some of this stuff out and see what kind of changes they're doing, they're getting, they would be shocked. Because like you said, cerebral palsy, believe it or not, we can do something about that today. And so, so, so it's not just positive thinking. It's not just that, that the, all these things help, but you're trying to fight the tide. You're trying to fight you know, the movement of the planets, it's, you can't do it so very easily. And so by doing these movements, now we're opening up the channels. Now we're getting into harmony with the natural ebb and flow of the tides and what's called the neurosensory motor programming. And um, so we'll see what happens. You know, it's, it's an exciting thing traveling around the United States, meeting people. Um, mostly the athletes enjoy this stuff. Not so many therapists yet. I don't get a lot of therapists that, you know, it's either going to be Eastern or Western. It can't be a mix like this. This is strange stuff for them. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today and sharing what you're building for anyone who wants to go check out the app and see the movements that are making a big difference. Yeah. Yep. Thank you that so much. That would be awesome. 
Thank you. It's really nice to meet you, Andrea. You too. Some final thoughts. When I think back to the beginning of this episode, I was hoping that Joshua would be able to fill in the blanks for what I didn't understand about the brain, but I realized that we don't always need to understand everything. I learned that in order to unlock our potential, movement is critical, and Joshua has figured out the best movements that he's put into the five levels of his app. I went through each level. You can sign up to access each level for free with your email address. And what I noticed was that there were some exercises I had recently started doing in physical therapy for my neck pain. If you've ever been to physical therapy, you go when you need to recover your muscles from an injury or recover from an accident, and sometimes the exercises can feel like a waste of time. You do the same motion over and over again. But then, at the end of the session, you express to your therapist whether you feel better or not, and every session I had attended, I felt an improvement. Before seeing Joshua's app, or the exercises he's been doing with athletes for years, I'm not sure I would have believed the power behind it all until I saw this one exercise called the cat camel that he has in the app that I'd been doing at physical therapy. If you have something you'd like to work on, I highly suggest trying his app and see what you notice. I'll be having Joshua back on the podcast to take a deeper dive into each of the five levels, but until then, try it out and see if you can use movement, the basic blueprints of your brain, to unlock your potential like we saw from the athletes he's worked with all around the world. And I'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.